There we go. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rue Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, welcome. Uh, here we are in a brand new episode on stage. And today I have with me Natsuda Minder, who's the international event manager at the Family Business Network, based in Lausanne in Switzerland, um, as well as Dr. Dominic Otten-Papas. And this is what I'm reading from your LinkedIn profiles, because this is what anybody else can see. Uh, Dominique is um, also, just like uh, Natsuda, a certified event designer, but also uh, the FBN NextGen academic expert at the Family Business Network, based in Dusseldorf in Germany. Um, and you are also very heavily involved in the FAMOS Immobilien GmbH, the uh, organization uh, that you, um, you are a member with uh, of the FBN, if I'm not mistaken. So let me ask you, uh, maybe Dominique first, uh, what, from your public profile that people would see on LinkedIn, what's something that people wouldn't know if they look at that profile about you? Um, yes, well, thank you for having uh, me on the podcast. And um, there's probably a lot of things you cannot glimpse uh, from LinkedIn. Um, I think um, over the years, um, I've... Uh, designed a lot of events and, and workshops with FBN and not all of them are on, on LinkedIn for sure. So I think um, a lot of the experience I've gained there um, and yeah, the, the love I have to connect with people and, and really listen to people and uh, always learn something new, I think cannot be seen there, so. Awesome, Natsuda, uh, same question for you. Uh, Hi Hood, <laughs> thanks for having us first. Well, what people wouldn't be able to know from me, something very personal. Well, I like very, I'm a foodie and that you know already <laughs> because you've experienced it when we were in Sevilla. So I'm very much a foodie. So if anyone wants some a voluntary person to taste the food, I'm always it. <laughs> uh, the other thing people might not know, which might be interesting, is you were one of the first people that tried our facilitation kit uh, when you when it came out in its very first edition, uh, when you were with the International Olympic Committee before you were at the Family Business Network. And that was very exciting for us to kind of see in an action, right? So you've been a longtime user of the methodology, uh, but also you've seen it in different organizations and how it uh, kind of functions. So very excited to be speaking to both of you today. Uh, it's quite unique for us to have two colleagues at the same time in the, um, uh, in the podcast. So thanks for joining us. The first question I always ask our guests is the first question on the book of the Design to Change book. And the question is, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Now, Dominique, would you leave it to chance? 
Um, yes, a very good question. A bit of a leading question, I have a feeling here, since it's in the beginning of the book. So I think the obvious answer is no, of course. Uh, you wouldn't want to leave the direction um, of change to chance. However, um, I feel the only thing you can do for a conversation is set the parameters and set the frame right. And the rest needs to happen uh, between the people that you bring together um, and that then have this conversation. So I think a little bit of chance uh, is always um, in there and you also need to give room to that. Um, otherwise, if everything is scripted, I think uh, you're missing out on of some of the magic of people meeting each other as well. Which is what events are all about, right? So that serendipitous thing you don't plan or that doesn't happen, but just happens on top of it. Uh, Natsuda, how do you feel about this question? Would you leave it to chance? Uh, my first answer, because I'm a planner, and by definition, it would be like I would not, in purpose, leave anything to chance, or actually trying not to leave anything to chance. So the answer would be no. But I also very much agree with what Dominic said. Um, the only thing you can do is to put all of your energy to set the best framework for people to, to be comfortable you know, and have this great setting for them to be able to share and, and, and have great conversations. So very much aligned with what you so, said. So creating, creating the context for the conversations, which I think you do in an exemplary way with the events that I've seen from the Family Business Network. Um, you're, you're always very diligent at how you um, design for your stakeholders, with your stakeholders. Uh, very exciting to see that dynamic, which is also a very special dynamic, and maybe you can share a little bit more about that later. But before we do that, I have a question, which is maybe to start with Natsuda. What's currently on your horizon of change? Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, I would be very much more comfortable talking about my personal life because I know exactly what's coming up. But uh, in terms of professional uh, environment, I think um the biggest for me biggest change for me would be like coming out of this period of in uncertainty and a lot of change in the events industry and being now at this point where we're starting again um doing in-person events and when we also see that for now uh the level of attendance is not what it used to be how can we take all of the learnings and implement it in the now what is the new normal and how the events are going to evolve in general, but also uh, for our organization. And is it the way we're doing right now with two main conference a year, the best way of doing it? Or should we do more things regionally? Like all those questions that we have to ask ourselves again due to the new normal. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dominique? What's uh, on your horizon of change? Yeah, I, I very much uh, agree with uh, Natsuda. So there's, um, I think we've all learned in the past that uh, maybe there is more change um, than we think. So um, Natsuda is a planner. I'm someone who likes to have stuff under control uh, within the uh, parameters that I can control. And um, yeah, it's a bit of an illusion. And I think um, we we will have more change. We have a lot of change in our participants. Um, of what they expect, how they experience things. Uh, a lot of them have gone online and then they've disappeared online. So I think, um, yeah, figuring out the, the new normal is, is going to take a while. Mm. Um, so there's lots of things um, changing going forward. And uh, on the one hand, it's daunting. 
Um, but on the other hand, it's exciting because it leaves room for innovation and new things, which um, I think at FBN we're quite good at exploring. And because of the trust our members give us, um, uh, they also try out new things and new formats with us. So it's, it's both. It's daunting and exciting. So from your perspective, because I know also the environment that you work in is very multi-generational. You know, it has to do with many different types of businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, you yourself are in this kind of environment, Dominique. Uh, thanks for sharing your horizon of change. Uh, I'm now going to give you a choice. Uh, we could either carry on our conversation down the path of horizons of change, or uh, we can spin the wheel and go down one of the other six rabbit holes, or maybe we might actually hit um, the horizons of change on that wheel as well. Which one will it be? Go ahead. Yeah, so actually I'm a player. <laughs> so let's see what's in the other rabbit hole. Maybe I might regret it, but let's let's check it out. Let's, let's find out. Let's spin the wheel and see what happens. Can you live with that, Lomini? Absolutely. Awesome. Let's spin the wheel and see what happens. Here we go. Claiming time, possibly the hardest thing to do right? for any event designer or event owner uh, or event participant for that matter. Um, do you accept the challenge to go down the rabbit hole of claiming time? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So let's go to, uh, this is chapter six in the book. It's how to become successful at claiming time. Uh, if you have a copy of the book in front of you, you can see the questions, uh, but I will, uh, uh, go to that chapter and actually ask the questions that we have. So whenever we're ready to start, off we go. Here's the first question. And this is pretending, right, just to make sure. Like claiming time is a skill you learn over time. And in the beginning, when you're trying to claim time for event design, you might, you might have bumped your head or you might have like maybe not been very successful at it. And we know that we learn most from our successful failures, right? So, Let's, let's take that vantage point and ask ourselves this question. What might you have done previously whereby you were not being taken seriously when event owners were having the conversation about change and you were trying to claim the time to design? What are some of the behaviors you used to do before that now you may have changed, whereby you maybe weren't always taken as seriously as you wanted to by the event owner? Who can I throw that to first? I'll have a go at it. Um, maybe setting a little bit here the stage as well, um, who our event owners are for everyone to understand a, a little bit. So mm -hmm. um, we um, are, uh, uh, yeah, we are by families, four families. Um, so we are run by um, a board, an international board that um, decides the um, the course of direction for the International Federation. And then we have chapters um, that are again run by boards. And these boards are composed of family business members um, who are elected onto the board. So um, when we are talking on the international level, it's quite complex because there you have um, people who are themselves decision takers in their companies, um, but are there in a function as a volunteer on a board. Um, so it's, it's quite a particular um set up i think um, where you're claiming time from people who as most of us are already short of time but it's not their main 
focus and not their main job. So, so that's always difficult, um, I think. But in the team, um, together with the CEO and everyone else planning, um, we're trying to prepare everything as well as we can, um, which I think is also maybe a mistake because then that leaves little room for discussion often and, and sets the direction very clearly, whereas we know you need time to listen to your event owner and really figure out also what they want, but it's, you know, it's next to their main job. So I think that that makes it a particular challenge um, that I think stays one to to navigate. So looking mm -hmm. forward to uh, to some of the solutions and what Natsuda thinks about this. Hmm. So for there are, are multiple times when I, I could think that. Um, so if I can give just an example, I think uh, if people don't take you seriously, you have to show them what are the benefits, right? And for me, my technique would be okay. So maybe starting from the end and see and showing them, look, this is the result we had. I have an email that proves that what we've done was amazing. So I took an email from one of the members saying, okay, it was an amazing event. I forgot how it felt not to be alone. I found again, I, I re it reminded me that I had an extended family, which is all the members at the family mem uh, business network and that I met again during the event. So I just took that result and I said, okay, this is what we achieved together and this is what we want to do in the future. So, and then I, I took it backwards and said, okay, to arrive to that result, this is what we have to do. So that would be how it would proceed. <laughs> I love that. And what you're describing is actually that you're 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 talking the language of outcomes uh, instead of the language of process, right? So uh, by thinking about what it does for someone that has a stake in the event, uh, you're addressing the exact thing that it takes to become successful at claiming time, which is making time a priority, but connecting it to outcomes. Yeah, and also if you're if you're claiming time to someone, you have to be sure that they understand what they embark. And what is the the final goal? Yes. So if you can draw this picture for them, it will be much easier than just coming up with a not so clear plan. And yeah. we'll see. You know, you have to be very diligent in how you present things. I think. And I like and I like the fact that you say that you know there is some met method to the madness to get to the outcome, but you first have to explore the problem uh, with them to also make sure you understand what it is. And not just respond to their wants, but actually dig for the needs, right? To, to kind of have that in place. So let's go to question number two, um, where you are both proficient event designers. You can facilitate the process. You have done that multiple times successfully. Um, I remember the first round, we sat down with a team and I led you through the process after which uh, you were eager to learn how to do that yourselves in your organization. Um, when asking yourself, uh, why are people not taking the design process seriously at first? Because right? they might not have heard of it or they're not familiar with it. It's something they haven't done before. What are some of the critical behaviors that you yourself demonstrated that others could have observed that might have gotten in the way of what you actually wanted? So you would just to to make sure I understand the question, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the question is about ourselves, right? What did we do 
that might have not uh, been in favor of the process. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Okay. If you're applying the process and then demonstrating that it has yeah. outcomes. Yeah, okay. Right? So I can take this one if, uh, if it, that's okay, mm -hmm. because I can totally relate. <laughs> because, um, yeah, I think Dominic and I, we are, we have a lot of room for innovation and we talk a lot about how we can improve things and we love that. Uh, but we also know that the team, we, we don't have a huge team, right? So we are the yeah. people who are trying to innovate, but we are also executing. And uh, during the workshops, the multiple workshops we've done, uh, it happened a lot to me already thinking ahead about the logistics. Oh, and thinking, oh, but we don't have budget for that, or it's not going to be possible, or uh, the board will never approve, or uh, we don't have time, you know? So, uh, and and already setting these limits doesn't give you enough room for, for creativity, but also mm. it's very important. And I had to remind myself many times that we're not here to do the logistics. We're here to design and see what our ideal event would be for our members and that's the only task that is important at the moment yes so yeah <laughs> love that love that dominique any any behaviors or things that you could recognize that might have gotten in the way of going out and just doing the design process yeah um i was thinking that sometimes because we're not you know starting from scratch with a new team and saying how are we doing this we have a lot of experience coming back and you know, the good old, um, well, this has worked previously and we have many stakeholders who also say, well, I've planned events before, they were okay. And there's other ways of doing it, but obviously it's not with the same intention that you can't replicate it the same way. You don't have the same kind of level of control of what you're actually doing and that the outcome is what you want to have. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So um, exactly the question you asked in the beginning but because Chen sometimes did make it possible not to design and still arrive at the end result, I think that's sometimes difficult and, and people know that. And so they sometimes ask, why is this necessary? And yeah, so falling back into old ways maybe sometimes. Yeah, even if you did it once or twice very successfully, it's easy to just say, well, it worked last time, so let's do it again, right? Mm -hmm. Rinse, repeat, or add two, three new ideas without dropping old ones and it just becomes cluttered, right? Okay, so let's let's go to this third question. What are the buttons that you are pushing to get what you need? And I can tell there's a pregnant pause whilst the ladies think about what buttons they're pushing. <laughs> Natsu, do you wanna go first? Sure. Um, well, the button for me is what's in it for you? And then I'll try to <laughs> get it my way because to exposing what, why should be great for them and what what they would appreciate about my idea, mm -hmm. actually negotiating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you empathize, would... empathize with the one that has the need and figure out what they want out of it. And... Yeah. yeah, I think my button is uh, is a well used one. It's what's in it for the next generation. So you ask them to think about, you know, the people in their families coming after and what they maybe would have wanted for themselves uh, when they were younger. And, and so that really works well in the families when we say, well, let's ask the young generation what they want and what they need, because we don't know. And that works uh, really well in our network. Um, yeah. 
I think I think that ties in fantastically with the next question because that ability to zoom out of the horizon of change that's now for the next event by stretching that horizon into a different scope um, can really change how people talk about a specific desire or want or beyond the want the need. Right? Let's go to question four. How can you and your team zoom out and empathize with the event owner to address their required outcomes? Well, if I may, I think that the a little bit the answer is in, in the question. I think it's the zooming out that is difficult, especially if you're stuck in the day-to-day -day operations. Um, but taking, again, the time away, um, trying to, to really clear your head and, yeah, empathize to really put yourself in their shoes um, is, is what you need to do. Um, and, and for that, you need to get out of the day-to-day, -day, um, which is sometimes difficult, especially when you're a small team and there's lots to do. Um, but I think it's necessary for the process to work, for sure. Um, I think that sometimes uh, what they express they want is not necessarily what they want. So I think it's important to really talk the same language and make sure that we understand what people want or the, the event owner want, because it is, even though it, it sounds clear, it might not always be clear. So this, um, this, term of alignment is, I think, very important. Absolutely. And the checking back, huh? did we understand right, rewrite, exactly. raising it, yeah. yeah. And digging beyond the initial ones, right, which sometimes is just an expression of the first thing that they think they want, but by digging through that, you get to the need, right? So, good. Question five, is your event owner not ready or are you as the event designer not ready? when you run into that situation where you don't, where you're not successful at planning the time? Well, the question is like, can you wait until everyone's ready or is it a process and you, you need to go ahead and, you know, get there while you're, while you're at it to some extent. I think obviously as an event designer, you need to be ready with your toolkit mm -hmm. um, and um, you need to have the, the team and have planned the time. Um, but but otherwise, I think um, you can't wait for everyone to be ready. Um, and sometimes you have to hit the ground running on that a little bit. How about you, Natsuda? How do you feel? Uh, oof, it's a difficult question because uh, sometimes we run out of time. So therefore not ready. But it's not really being not ready. It's just not having the time because you're, you're, you're on a day-to-day -day business and you have to get things done. Mm -hmm. right? You can't just put things aside and hoping that your, your event is going to be postponed. No. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I agree with Dominic. I mean, at a certain point, you just have to jump in uh, and, and, and do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we've had a pretty good streak at these five challenging questions about, you know, uh, how to become successful at claiming time by looking at what you experienced when you maybe had some successful failures at claiming time. I think that's what all of us learn a lot from. Uh, it doesn't become, it does become easier over time to claim time because you get more convinced of the fact that the outcomes actually can be very successful. Um, but you have to keep reminding yourself and your event owner that that's the case. Uh, so I think uh, suspending this belief is one of those concepts that you have to practice over and over again. 
either with the same team or a different team. Uh, but I, you know, for one, I'm very impressed with the work that you guys are doing at the FBN. Uh, it's a fascinating space, right, where family members, multi-generational, in a very kind of trusted environment, right, a non-solicitation environment. Um, I think some, some powerful stuff happens at your events. I've been able to witness it up close a couple of times. Uh, what I like what you guys do is you actually take time out and go to another place together to design together. I think that's very important, right? So you literally disconnect from the daily reality and spend time at another place to do this together. Um, and I think that's that's part of why you're successful at what you do. Uh, Dominique? Yeah, I wanted to add something about the, the claiming time since we're an international network. It's sometimes difficult to bring everyone together. And obviously that's very powerful, especially when you're designing but um, I don't, I'm sure during COVID, many uh, people have um, gone through the process online, which Natsuda and I did. And um, it actually made claiming time somewhat easier from our members. And uh, we spread it over the course of, I think, three months, the process, which gave us great um, possibilities to check back, to verify the outcomes. And um, in the international setting, online had its challenges but made claiming time easier i feel yeah yeah and we also had to consider the very extended time zones that we had so yeah. yeah and i think this is something a lot of our listeners might also be experiencing or have experienced right where sometimes you have you have multiple um alternatives to design right live i mean that's what you came to our program um at the University of Amsterdam, right, at the Event Design Certificate Program. Um, Dominique, you took our program online, and maybe, you know, yes, we designed together, uh, you know, in Lausanne at uh, IMD for one of your events, but later you, we did that whole in a digital sequence. Uh, I think you have, like, the skill set of both, which I think can be a challenge for some people, um, but uh, congratulations on that. Um, I do have one more question in this part, and then we're going to go backstage and talk about all the fun stuff. Um, in, in this part, I wanted to ask, the five questions we asked, would you be willing to answer them like in staccato in writing? And I will send you the link to that little type form that we were looking at, because those answers will be precious gems that others can consult um, from the design to changeonline website, which um, is a resource that comes with the book, right? So it's the practitioner sharing their nuggets of knowledge, not just in the podcast and audio, but also maybe in a little staccato written up version. Uh, would you be willing to do that? Sure. Awesome. So, and, and we'll add those to the liner notes of the podcast as well, and then uh, they will be in that database. Second question is, one year from today, we would like to uh, look back at today's conversation at the horizon of change, right? You mentioned in the horizon of change you have today, and today is the 6th of September, 2022. Um, may we call on you again in September 2023 to look back at this horizon of change and uh, see what's on your horizon of change then? Yeah, it's it's a long time going, but you know, I don't know <laughs> what change will come until then. But you could try. <laughs> exactly. So, so a year later, you. right? So, so I think a year later. This that was fascinating. We actually have our first cycle of year plus ones coming up now. I just had the first one. Um, and funnily enough, uh, you think change is very slow because you experience it day by day, but when you look back a year, 
it could be pretty dramatic in terms of what changes. Right? So uh, I'm excited about that conversation. Obviously, it doesn't mean that we're not going to talk between now and then. Right? I'm going to keep Hopefully. the conversation going. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you for you know being on this part of the podcast, the onstage part, and sharing you know your nuggets of wisdom with us. Um, I'm going to play a little jingle, and then we're going to see you in the backstage in just a moment. Great. Thanks, Ruud. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.